Um, good morning, everybody. The scripture reading from today um, is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. You can find that in your bulletin or, of course, in your Bibles. Um, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning to all of you. You know, one of our, uh, as you get to know our church, like if you come to the membership class, you'll learn about our core values. One of our core values is creative faith. And I just think that uh, that group of people up here just sort of took creative to the next level. So we really appreciate you guys. Let's give them a hand. That was so... Especially um, all orchestrated by uh, Sterling and Chelsea Street. And, uh, but those kids that were up here, that was just amazing. So anyway, good morning. And uh, we're so glad that you're here today. I got about five minutes left for my sermon. Just kidding. We have plenty of time. Don't worry. So uh, today we begin or actually continue our vision engagement series with a message uh, call about the parable of the lost sheep, which we just read today. What I'd like to do is I would like to put this parable in context of our whole month of August and our vision engagement series. Last week, we talked about worship. We talked about uh, how worship both fills us and forms us. So in a way, worship is central to Lake Baldwin Church, and because it fills us and it, it forms us, it means that everything we do in the way of mission flows from our love relationship with God. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So what we're talking about is that, the, is that as the gospel shapes our hearts in worship, it will result in a, a growing love for our neighbor. And so if you look at the front of your bulletin, one of the things you'll see is sort of the impact of having the God of our lives in the center of our church. And then there are four, if you will, a fourfold vision for Lake Baldwin Church. And so as you see on the front of your bulletin, that fourfold vision is good news for the lost, good news for the found, good news for the city, and good news for the world. Or as you see on the signs coming in, the gospel is good news for everyone. So this morning, I cannot think of a better passage of scripture to go to to talk about good news for the lost than the parable of the lost sheep. So I'm, I'm so glad we can talk about that today. And I'd like to set it up this way. Our family, uh, Molly and I, our four children, we moved to uh, Orlando from Virginia in 1994. Our daughter, Mary Kate, was five years old. She was born in 1989. And we tried to get her all pumped up for moving to Florida because it was very difficult for us to leave Virginia. And so we told our kids, we said, when we move to Florida, Disney World will be in our backyard. So we moved down here. We got here late at night. 
our kids got out of the car and Mary Kate said, where are the rides? Because she thought that Disney World was gonna be in our backyard. Well, it, was, it didn't take too long though for us to take our kids to Disney World. And so uh, we took them and Mary Kate is just an innocent five-year-old girl, the youngest in our family. And uh, one of the first things we did, we went to Hollywood Studios and we took her on uh, a real, really easy ride called Tower of Terror. Mary-Kate got on, got on board with us and she was just so innocent, she was just so trusting. And we just go up to the top and then suddenly all this stuff, stuff starts happening and she just gets terrified, just gets terrified coming out of Tower of Terror. And then it, it took years for us to be able to convince Mary-Kate to trust us, to ride roller coasters, to do all kinds of things. Well, the reason I tell that story is when we were in the Magic Kingdom one time, we were out there and, and uh, we're going around and it was just, just crawling with people. We were having so much fun, but on one occasion we looked around and Mary-Kate was missing. Five years old, we couldn't find her. And she was lost. And we, we just panicked. We thought, oh no, how are we ever gonna find Mary-Kate? And the reason I tell that story, we ended up just dropping everything. All of us just dropped everything to pursue her and to find her until we got her back. And the reason I tell that story is because it gives us an insight into when we sing songs like Amazing Grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found. When we read in the scripture that Jesus went after the lost sheep, that story gives us an insight into what we mean by lostness, what it means to be a lost sheep. And I wanna mention a couple things about that. One is lostness means that, that the one that is lost is valuable. Mary-Kate was lost, but she was of value to us, and that is why we pursued her. And the same thing is true throughout the rest of Luke 15. There was just this, uh, there was this, the, the coin that was valuable, the lost son that was valuable. There are three parables in this chapter. But the other thing is what it, what it felt like to be Mary-Kate, to have your parents missing, to be the one that was lost, and to not be able to find your way home. And so our daughter, our five-year-old daughter Mary-Kate, needed someone to pursue her, someone to care enough, someone to rescue her because she had been lost. And so when we talk about the gospel being good news for the lost, that's what we're talking about. Now this morning, a couple of observations I wanna make because we're gonna talk about the lost sheep. Several years ago, Dwayne, Dwayne Noble, who is one of our elders, made this observation about our church because we were talking about some things we were doing. He said, I'm so glad to be part of a church that pursues the lost sheep. And but the real question is, what is our heart in doing that, and how do we approach that as a church? So as part of our vision engagement series this month, we want to talk about our heart for that and how we want to do that. Now, when we think about being lost sheep, one of the th there's a couple of caveats I want to put in that I want to remind us about. One is the Bible teaches that all of us have been lost sheep. Isaiah 53, 6 says that all of us, like sheep, have gone our own way, but the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on Christ. Now that's the gospel in a nutshell because all of us are like lost sheep. All of us have gone our own way. 
We've all been lost, but the Bible says that, that, that the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all, the sin that led to our lostness, he has laid that upon Christ. The other thing I would say about uh, all of us being sheep is that as a pastor, as I get to know people in our church, I realize that there are, there are all kinds of us that are sheep. Some of us are wandering sheep. Some of us are wounded sheep. And that is why when the Bible talks about the church, God has built in this idea of shepherding the flock of God. Even elders in 1 Peter 5, 2, their primary job is to shepherd the flock of God. So in a way, I want you to remember that all of us, in a sense, have been lost sheep or are lost sheep or are herding sheep, and that care that Christ has for us is ongoing. So now let's get into this passage and talk about the heart of Jesus. We want to look at it, the heart and the example of Jesus in this story, and we're going to notice three things about Jesus and three things that apply to our church. And as we go through this story, one, one recommendation I have for you is to see where you, what people in this parable that Jesus told do you identify with and in this whole story. The first, first thing we'll notice in here is that Jesus welcomes the lost sheep. That's the first point. Jesus welcomes the lost sheep. It says in Luke 15, 1 and 2, listen to, notice these words in the passage. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Now the tax collectors and sinners, the tax collectors were uh, fellow citizens who worked for the Roman government to extract excessive taxes from the people. They were hated people. They were, they were to, to bring them into, to be around Jesus, these were hated people, the tax collectors. And then the sinners were all kinds of people that were outcasts, that didn't keep God's law, that weren't part of the religious people. They were non-religious, they were non-church, they, non they were doing their own thing. But the Bible says that tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. They all wanted to be around Jesus because Jesus extended that welcome. But look at verse two, it says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now the Pharisees and the scribes were the, the top of the religious elites. The thing about the religious, about the Pharisees and the scribes is they did not want to welcome tax gatherers and sinners. That is not the kind of church that they wanted to be. They wanted to have a country club church. They wanted to have an exclusive church. They wanted to have a righteous church. That's what they believed it should be. That's the way they believed God operated. And so Jesus was so different from those religious leaders. They said they wanted a righteous church. That means you couldn't have any messy people. You couldn't have sinners in that church. And so Jesus has to give them this parable because they're the ones that are opposing what Jesus is doing. You'll notice it says here, in, in verse two, the, what they accused Jesus of, they grumbled, they grumbled at what was happening at the church of Jesus. They grumbled at all the sinners that were there. They didn't like the mess, they didn't like all of that, and they accused Jesus, they said, this man, this man receives sinners and he even eats with them. The fact that Jesus ate with people, the fact that he had that hospitality was, uh, 
The reason they believe that was wrong is that they believe that to eat with sinners would make a person ceremonially unclean. And so they avoided all kinds of sin. Instead of engaging the culture, instead of loving the culture, instead of loving sinners, they wanted to put up walls to keep those people out. Jesus welcomed them. Jesus had table fellowship with them. He showed hospitality for them. And I would say, here's, some, here's really the kicker for us. I don't think that Jesus was uh, sort of deep down inside hating these people, but doing his duty. Jesus actually liked being around tax gatherers and sinners. He got around them and he loved them. That is such a powerful point for us when we think of the lost sheep. One of the things that uh, uh, early on in the early years of the church, and Molly and I love doing this, uh, COVID has, been, has kind of thrown a monkey wrench in the whole idea of hospitality and table fellowship with people who are not religious, who don't share our views, who do not attend church, who have all kinds of different political beliefs, all kinds of different lifestyles. And so, but one of the things we've done over the years is that we have hosted parties for these people in our home. We want to welcome them as Jesus did. We want to have table fellowship with them. So Oktoberfest, we'll just, we'll have an Oktoberfest dinner. We'll have, we'll have some brats. We'll have all kinds of German food. And we'll just, we'll just party with people and we'll invite people in to be a part of that party. St. Patrick's Day, same thing. Invite people in, invite them to bring food and drink and let's just get to know people. And we do those parties without agenda and without feeling the need to be a lifestyle referee because I think that's what Jesus did here. He would invite people in to these dinner parties and he would welcome them. If you could do at one of those parties kind of a spiritual x-ray of the beliefs and the views of the hearts of the people, it might, it might look like the restaurant scene in, in the first Star Wars movie. All these different types of people all over the place. But what happened, what Molly and I found is when we would have these parties with people, we would start to like them. We would start to enjoy them. We would start to be friends with them. Even if they didn't agree with us, even if they didn't go to our church, even if they didn't believe in Christ, even if they had different views, whatever it might be, we began to love being with those people. There's one, one particular couple that we got to know who lived on our street, and we, we just became really good friends with them. To this day, they would be, if, if they were here today, they'd be glad to tell you, we're not believers in Christ. We're friends with Mike and Molly, but we're not believers. And we, I remember the day we invited them to a dinner party. And uh, the wife fixed certain types of food, the husband fixed certain types of food, and they came to every party that we ever hosted. And they would even come uh, to church at Easter. We'd invite them to the Easter service. They would come to the Christmas Eve service. And there was a, but we, you could not have been as far apart. They never darkened the door of a church. That was not the kind of life that they had. They still had their own views. But what happened is we began to feel a real love for them and a real heart for them. So I, I, I love this about Jesus because he, he, he bucked con conventional wisdom. People hated it that he did this, but he loved being around tax gatherers and centered, sinners. Jesus always welcomes the lost sheep. 
If this morning you're watching online, if this morning you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm not as put together as these people, I don't understand the songs that we're singing, I don't have these beliefs, I wanna let you know that you are welcome here. When we have our friends, we bring them into church, we say to them, you are welcome here. People can belong even before they believe in the sense that we welcome into our social circle and we can build relationships with them because I love that about Jesus. Let's go to the second thing that we see in this passage. First of all, Jesus welcomes the lost sheep, but the second thing is Jesus pursues the lost sheep. So look at verses three and four. It says, Jesus now had to tell these Pharisees because they were his critics, and he told them a parable. He told them this parable, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Which one of you wouldn't do that? Now, one of the things that Jesus is doing, this is an agrarian society, agrarian economy, sheep and, and farming and grapes and all kinds of things and olive oil. So Jesus chooses an illustration. The people that were owners of sheep would know this, that if you have a, a lost sheep and you're a shepherd, you're gonna leave the 99 and you're gonna go after, you're going to pursue the lost sheep. <clears throat> this so applies to Jesus because Luke 19.10, a few chapters later, Jesus says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus pursues the lost sheep. He's very intentional about it. Now one of the things we think about, you could ask the question, well what does that, what does that look like here? A few moments ago I referred to the idea of creative faith. It's one of the first core values of our church. And what do we mean by creative faith? We mean that we take the unchanging the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't change it, we don't water it down. We don't adapt it, but we take that unchanging gospel and we put some thought into intentionally how do we communicate that good news, that gospel in our cultural context. And that is so exciting to me. We live in central Florida. We live, there's a certain kind of lifestyle around here. You look at the, democratic, the uh, demographic studies are, that go on and you're, this part of the country has a higher rate of education and a higher commitment to recreation than the average around the country. And there's other things about our culture, and one of the things we've tried to do is get to know non-church people, the irreligious people in Central Florida, get to know them and think through how do we take the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ and relate the gospel to them. Now I wanna give you an example of this that's outside of Florida. This past week, Molly and I had a wonderful uh, dinner with David and Giselle Timby. They, uh, over the years, have done a, done a, a lot of various uh, roles in their ministry over the years, but one of those we learned about when we had dinner with them is they lived in New York City. What were they doing in New York City? They were working with United Nations diplomats and staff, and so that is a certain culture. And it was fascinating me to talk with David and Giselle to think about, well, how did they go about living in New York City and how do you reach people who work at the United Nations? What would you do? Well, you don't change the gospel message. You take that same gospel message, but how do you build bridges to those people? In other words, what they were doing in New York City is they were pursuing the lost sheep that God had brought from all over the world to the United Nations, and so it was fascinating. They talked about large events, 
They talked about small group events, and they talked about one-on-one. -on -one. one of their large events was the annual prayer breakfast at the United Nations, which they sponsored. They brought in a speaker one time who happened to be, he was a believer, but he was friends with the current, not the current one, but at, at that time, the Secretary General of the United Nations. And because that friend invited him, the Secretary General actually came to their annual prayer breakfast, and then that just became standard at the United Nations. So they'd have these, they would have all kinds of events, whether it be Christmas or Easter or other types of the type, other times of the year. Then they would get them into small groups, and then they would also meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. I thought, man, what, a, what an example of creative faith. So how do we do that here in Orlando, and how does Lake Baldwin Church go about it? Well, I think there's a lot of bridges to the hearts of people around us. We use several things that I'll just mention to you. One is uh, we use creative media. We think about how do we tell our story to the community. There's a lot of ways to do that. We've actually done at times direct mail. Well, we'll just, we'll just pay for a direct mail that'll go out to people's homes. And you might think, man, I'm not sure how that, how that would work. But several years ago, we, uh, there was a, we sent out one in Baldwin Park. There was a, a young single gal, a lawyer, who worked downtown by the name of, of Kyla O'Brien. And Kyla got that. She came to our church. She later got married to Matt, who's her husband now, Matt Baker. So it's Matt and Kyla Baker. But she lived, she lived in the village, these apartments in Baldwin Park. She got a direct mail. It was probably either at Christmas time or at Easter. And God used that to bring her to our church. It was a way of pursuing the lost sheep, a way for her just to be informed. And God worked in her heart and brought her. Another thing that we uh, use is events. And so pre-COVID, and we'll get back to this hopefully, is we participate in community events. You look around, events are huge. They have fundraisers and all sorts of causes and that kind of thing. Well, we participate in the Independence Day Bash, the Winter Spark Parade, the Baldwin Park Easter Egg Hunt, and we do that to invite people to Easter services, to invite them to stuff that we're doing. On one particular occasion, we invited, we, we were at the Independence Day Bash. Uh, there was a couple, we give out bottles of water with koozies with our website, and we just let them know we do that. And this is why we invite people to participate in events. Well, one couple there, Kurt and Robin Kratzer, who, uh, heard about us, but they were looking for a church, and they ended up coming. They, they not only came to church, but they got involved in our Christianity small group where they could learn about Jesus, learn about the gospel, and get connected to Christ. Another example of just bridges of pursuing the lost sheep. One of my favorite ways of pursuing the lost sheep, though, we talked about creative media, we talked about events, but another one was just just relationships, just building relationships with non-church people around us, with what you might, what, what Jesus would do. He would welcome people. So one of my favorite stories is several years ago, uh, and this is uh, Chad and Bridget Cahill. It's a story we tell about them, but I could tell so many stories like this. Their son, Colt, was at school and was hit by another child. And so there was this other family, and so the mom came to Bridget to talk about this incident between their two children. And it's like that, isn't it? To say, well, hey, my kid would never do that. 
you know, can't believe your kid did that, can't you parent? And it becomes this whole kind of self-righteous thing, but instead, Bridget had this welcoming attitude towards this other mom. And so they ended up having them over to their home, having them in their pool, having them, you know, just spending time together, just building a relationship with them. And then, as it turns out, uh, their Chad and Bridget's small group was going to study a marriage. They were doing a marriage video series. This couple wanted to work on their marriage, so they came, they got involved with that. And then they started coming to church, and they loved, they loved coming to Lake Baldwin Church. The wife had already become a Christian by reading The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, but the husband had not yet become a believer. The husband attended the membership class. As he was sitting in the membership class, it became clear to him that he had never put his faith in Christ. He was, he, he, he had, if you will, uh, he had been pursued as a lost sheep, but he'd never put his faith in Christ. And shortly after that, one of our elders took him out to breakfast shared the gospel with him, and he crossed the line, and he put his faith in Christ. But it all went back to just a relationship. So you think about it, it's just not, it's not rocket science. A lot of times we assume that the lost sheep out there do not want to be pursued, that they're not receptive to Christ. I think they have a ton of stereotypes, and what they need most of all is to get around normal people, to be in their homes, to have dinner with them, somebody that will just love them without an agenda, build a relationship, and as you pray for them, you watch God begin to open their hearts as he did with this couple. So, creative faith, pursuing the lost sheep, uh, I just want to let you know, too, that there are, there are people right now in our church, when you think about pursuing the lost sheep, there are things that, there's, that not all of us can do. We all have sort of different roles that we can play. Personally, I don't have the, what we might call the gift of evangelism. It's, it's, it's not one of my gifts, but I can love people. I can relate to them. Uh, other people do other things. And one of the things that helps me is that I'm not even though I'm not gifted in everything and I can't be everywhere, but I'm part of a team that does that. So I'll give you one example. I was talking to Scott Crocker the other day. Scott has been involved in our church from the beginning. He loves to share his faith. He loves the gospel. But one of the cool things is that Scott serves as a teacher in Splash. Prior to that, he oversaw our whole Splash setup teardown team and and. Scott knows, Scott knows that by, I said, Scott, what do you prefer to do? Do you prefer to teach or to do setup? He prefers to teach kids. He loves to teach kids. Glad to do setup, but he loves to teach. Why? Because it is on Scott's heart to pursue the lost sheep. We have lost sheep right here in our congregation, right here in our church, and Scott's a part of a team effort to reach out to lost sheep. That's why Splash is so important to reaching children and reaching families in our church. I'll tell you another thing that's really encouraging. Uh, some of you may know that we have a number of uh, college students that have been coming to our church or involved in different ministries at UCF, such as the Navigators. There is, uh, and right now there are two students who have been coming to our church who have joined the EDGE program with the Navigators. In effect, that would make them Navigator staff back on the UCF campus. And so what they're doing is they are involved in pursuing the lost sheep. One of them read scripture up here, Kelly Goyette, so she's gonna be on NAV staff. I'd love for you to hear more about what she's doing. 
but she's going to be out on campus. She's going to be meeting students. They're going to be doing tabling. They're going to find lost sheep. They're going to find interested people. And I'm so excited. I can't do that. I can't do what Kelly can do, but I can cheer for her and I can pray for her. Another girl is Sydney Owens. Sydney Owens also was discipled on campus through the Navigator. She's part of our church. And Sydney Owens has decided to go with the EDGE program, but focus on international students. And I love that because for the longest time in our church, we've had a heart for welcoming all cultures, including countries around the world. And there are so many international students, lost sheep that are receptive to the gospel. Sydney Owens is going to be involved in reaching out to them. So we can cheer for them. We can pray for them. When they say, hey, would you host students in your home? Would you invite international students into your home? We can all be a part of that. So I'm so excited about those ways to reach out to people and to pursue the lost sheep. In a way, Jesus is really pursuing the lost through Kelly, through Sydney, through Scott, through all of our splash workers and really what we're all doing. So Jesus welcomed the lost sheep. Jesus, Jesus pursues the lost sheep and he continues to do that. But there's one last thing that I want to see in this passage and that is that Jesus rejoices in bringing the lost sheep home. So look at this parable and look at this story. Look at verses five through seven. Talking about this shepherd that's gone out to pursue the sheep. It says, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Jesus says, rejoice with me, because I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There's a couple of images I want to point out in this passage. One is, it says when he comes, he, he, well, first of all, verse 5, when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. I love this image of the, of the, the shepherd laying the sheep on his shoulders and bringing the sheep back to the flock. I, there's something about that image about not just finding the sheep, but actually bringing the sheep back home. Not too long ago, I have a friend who just let me know that he's decided to follow Christ. God has used all sorts of people in his life to pursue him and to pray for him. And he said, we were having dinner, and he says, I've decided to follow Jesus. And I thought, that is so cool. But that image of Jesus, when he puts that, that sheep that was found on his shoulders and carries us home, when, I, when somebody says to me, I've decided to follow Jesus, I've decided to become a Christian, I've been found, I just want to say to that person, we will do anything for you. We will do anything to help you connect to the community. We want to bring you into the family. We want to welcome you back to the party. We want to carry you home. The other thing that you see in this passage is this whole idea that there's this, this celebration going on. There's this, there's this party. There is this rejoicing. And so what he does is he calls his friends and neighbors together to rejoice. That story I told about the couple where the guy with, with Chad and Bridget, uh, the guy who went to our membership class and he prayed to receive Christ. And then he said, he thought about it. He said, you know what? I've never been baptized before. So we had an adult baptism he had made a, made a profession of faith in Christ. He got up in front of the church. 
we had a baptism. We believe in the significance of baptism. We believe that Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And when he, when he was up front and he was baptized, the entire church stood up and just applauded for that because we're celebrating. That is the joy of heaven. We've been celebrating the Olympics. We've been celebrating all kinds of things. But you know what heaven celebrates? Heaven celebrates when the lost sheep are found and when they come to Christ. And there's one, one last thing I want to say in here. Look at verse 17. Jesus says to these Pharisees, and remember he's reaching these people that are kind of like, you know, I don't want to have a messy church. I don't want to welcome all these people in our church. But that's the kind of church that Jesus created. He says, just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And I think you know he's using irony here. 99 righteous persons who think they need no repentance. But there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. That's the value system of heaven. What do you think of that word repents? When Jesus uses a word, when he talks about how a lost sinner is returning, he talks about there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. If you've become a Christian, it involved repentance. It involved uh, and it's such a good word. It's such a good word. We think we might have connotations of repentance like it's some sort of a negative religious word. The word repent simply means to change your mind. It involves a recognition of several things. In fact, the best way I can let you know, and I want to I I wanna share this with anybody in this room who to this point in your life, you're not sure if you've ever crossed the line and put your faith in Christ. You've never repented. You've been pursued. You know that God's been pursuing you. You know that you need to put your faith in Christ. You know that you need this. How do you do it? And I want to I make it really simple. Just, just three words, A, B, C. What does repentance mean? First of all, it means to admit that you're lost. It means to admit that you're a sinner. Now, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do in the world. We could be going through life. We could be successful. Life could be going our way. We could be intelligent. We could be happy. Our life could be together. And so it becomes hard to admit. And we end up being like those people who think they need no repentance. But the first thing we need to do, the great thing about the lost sheep is that they admit that they're sinners. They admit that they need a savior. So that's the first thing. That's the A. The B is simply to believe in Christ. A lot of people believe that the way you get assurance of heaven is by earning it, by good works, by becoming righteous, by doing good things. That is not true. That is not true. We first put our faith in Christ. We believe in Christ, and then he comes into our lives in the person of the Holy Spirit and changes us from the inside out. So don't, there's a difference between Christianity and religion. Christianity says that you are accepted by God simply by putting your faith, trusting in Jesus Christ, trusting in his atonement, trusting that the iniquity of us all was laid upon him, believing in Christ. And then what's the C? The C is simply to call on the Lord. Romans 10 says anyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. And so this morning, I want to give an invitation. 
I wanna invite all of you who have never put your faith in Christ, again, online or whether you're in this room, in a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity just to call upon the Lord. If you've never done that, you've never repented, this is your chance to do that. There's an invitation to come home. This whole, these three parables in Luke 15 are all about coming home, about a lost coin that was found, about the prodigal son who went away and squandered his life, but the father welcomed him home. This is about coming home. So if you're a lost sheep, do not hold back, do not hold back, but allow Christ to carry, carry you home. That's the invitation this morning. Well, did we find our daughter? Did we find Mary-Kate at Disney? Well, we sure did. We, we, we found her. Uh, we just all celebrated, just like the story. You know, we dropped everything. We pursued her. We found her. She was found. We celebrated. Uh, Disney World gave her a stuffed animal. It was just this big celebration that she was found. And that is just such a beautiful picture, I think, of Jesus finding the lost sheep. Jesus welcomes lost sheep. Jesus pursues lost sheep. And Jesus brings the lost sheep home. He's delighted to do it. And we believe that one of the reasons that God called Lake Baldwin Church into existence is to pursue the lost sheep together as a team. Let's pray. First of all, if you're here this morning and you've never called upon the Lord for salvation. Right now, just in the quietness of your own heart, I wanna ask you to say some words like this to God. First of all, the A, God, I admit that I'm lost. I admit that I'm a sinner. And then B, say, God, I believe in your son. I believe in Jesus Christ as the son of God the Savior, the Shepherd who has pursued me. So now in this moment, I cry out to you, I call upon you to do what I could never do for myself, to save me. Lord, we thank you for this, your word. We pray that in the coming months and years through this church, through this congregation, like other congregations in this entire city, Give us the strength, give us the power, give us the heart to pursue and to welcome the lost sheep. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.